You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Fantastic from the Russian Leg Sweep. I'm here with uh, my co-host. I'm Sam. What's up, Sam? Uh, not much. And Mikey. You know, when we were uh, putting together this podcast, I was really looking for the easiest way to do things. We did some searching, and we found Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use right from your phone or on your computer. Creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. Like, that's what I do. I make it sound great. You know? They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and many more. They'll get you everywhere you need to be. Like Korea. Korea. They'll listen to you in Korea. South Korea. Thank you, Anchor. (laughs) You can easily make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. That means we're making money right now by reading this ad. Like, I could just listen to it and I'd make money? Right. We would make money. What? With no minimum listenership. Please. I mean, if you, I mean, you're listening to us right now anyway, so you're checking So you're Anchor. already on Anchor. So I appreciate that. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Right now. Do it. Do it. Do it. Now on with the show. Due to the graphic nature of this program, viewer discretion is advised. to the Russian Leg Sweep. This week we have a special episode. Uh, we will be interviewing a firefighter, a podcast host, a radio personality, and the founder of the Nebraska Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, Mr. Donnie Dodge. As always, I'm with uh, my co-host, horrorcore icon Comatose, the founder of Cutthroat Productions. Hello. And the co-director of the Nebraska Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, actor extraordinaire, handsome boy, modeling school graduate, Mr. Mikey Taylor. How's everybody doing? Doing wonderful, Mike. How about you, sir? I'm, I'm peachy keen, jelly bean. Yeah, you are. Good to hear. Good to hear. Donnie, how are you doing? You know, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just in, uh, enjoying my day inside. It's a little warm outside, and I uh, just figured I'll come in here and talk some wrestling. And uh, and uh, I, I can't I can't wait. I'm going to try and position my giant square head to block the sunlight coming through the window behind me. But uh, I'll, I'll I'll do my best. Well, Donnie, I want to really thank you for doing this interview. Not only for the obvious, but you are delaying the inevitable for us of watching 1996 uh, WCW's pay per view uncensored. 
And uh, <laughs> we're extremely thankful for that. It's the uh, Sadomasochist. I like it. <laughs> we're gonna, Mikey, you're gonna you're gonna facilitate this, so we're gonna turn it over to you, and let's get to talking. All right, yeah, and, and uh, I just want to say, you know, thank you, thank you for joining us, Donnie. And yeah. we've got what I feel are probably uh, I'm joined by three of the biggest wrestling fans I know. So this this should be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. So to start off, Donnie. Explain how you became such a fan of pro wrestling. Where where did your fandom begin, and kind of lead us through how you got to the point where where we're at today? Sitting at my dad's feet on Sunday mornings, watching AWA live from the live from the Channel Seven studios. Uh, it was just it it was it was fun. It was athletic. I've always been a I've always been a, an athletic guy, so it's just. I, I was really drawn towards it. I knew uh, there was there was no way in hell I was ever going to make it to the NFL, uh, and and college football was even going to be a question. But I knew that that you know maybe wrestling was going to be an avenue that I could that I could uh, excel in. I've always been kind of a smart ass. Um, I know I, uh, uh, I I don't come off that way. I don't know I don't know why people think that about me, but uh, <laughs> it's I, I love the I love the the presence of how these guys were selling themselves. Even at a young age, I was picking up on the, the nuances of, of the wrestling. And so uh, you, you go back to, so it would be the late 70s, when I was probably eight, probably seven, eight years old, 79, 80. Uh, I'm watching that. And then you get the Saturday night's main event pops up. I don't know. I had no idea it was even going to be on. And that first Saturday night main event was, I mean, it's the precursor to Raw and, and, and to Nitro because it wasn't just 30 minutes of squash matches. You know, it was, it was you actually had lineups. And, you know, growing up in North Bend, we didn't have the option of pay-per-views. Back then, you had to have a satellite or you had to drive into Fremont or Omaha and watch it in a movie theater. So... You no, know, I I just I, I always gravitated towards it because I love the storylines. I was able to uh, I'm theatrical enough that I, I was able to suspend you sus- suspend belief for a little while and just kind of let them take you on the ride and let them guide you into the story that they're trying to tell. So very young age, very very young age. So and then as as it progressed, I. Uh... And this is before you actually got in the ring. Um, you had some experience with hosting some wrestling events, and uh, I was present for some of those. Like you know, like I said, I've I've known about the last twenty five years. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so uh, what what led to, to like you getting involved in hosting these events and actually hosting live events? Well, it turns out um, I was the producer of the uh, Todd and Tyler show from uh, officially hired from 96 until October of 2002. Uh, I was part of the show nearly day one as uh, what we called running characters, as it would call in. And that's, Mikey, where you and I met, uh, was being running characters on the Todd and Tyler show. They would bring you in. We would do... We would do skits, we would do bits on the radio, or we would just call them two or three times a day to kind of make the show funny. And so, um, you know, it's I, I once I got hired at the radio station, 
anytime that one of these wrestling companies came to town, they needed somebody to host it. Well, Todd and Tyler hated wrestling. They didn't get it. They don't understand it. They despised wrestling and anything to do with it. They'll, they'll, take, they'll take your money for commercials, but they're not going to host anything. I was literally the only one at the radio station that loved wrestling. Not just liked it, but I loved wrestling. So when the tickets went on sale for, for a, a WWF event or a WCW event at the Exarban Arena, um, I got to go and I got to host these events. Uh, when the, the events would happen, when dark shows would happen, uh, they would let me go up into the ring and make announcements. And so I kind of took that over as I'm going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make something to this. I'm going to make a bit. I'm not just going to be some stooge that walks up there, hey, everybody, thanks for coming to the wrestling and listen to Z92. <laughs> no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some fun with it. And the easiest way, especially when you've got four minutes, they give you three, four minutes to do your, do your thing. You're not allowed to touch the ropes. You're not allowed to jump off anything. You're just out there to talk. And so when you've got that limited amount of time, I thought to myself, i got to go heal. <laughs> gotta go heal and especially with the morning show that we had i mean we was just about they said what they did what that morning so i'm like this is a piece of cake and what's the lowest hanging fruit the lowest hanging fruit to be a heel in the state of nebraska is to dog on the football team yeah and their fans i'm a huge nebraska fan obviously <laughs> but uh it's it's too easy it's too easy it's cheap heat as they call it, cheap heat. So I would put whoever Nebraska happened to lose to, I would put that jersey on underneath another shirt. <laughs> and so it was the Civic, Civic Auditorium, and there was there, there was 8,000 people in that place. And I have never felt that type of hate. And that, <laughs> I, I could actually feel their booze because I get up in there, and McMahon was a heel at the time. And so I just said, I want to thank everybody for coming out. I was just in the back talking to my good friend, Vince McMahon, and he was, and, and we were discussing, we were discussing the one thing that everybody in this state absolutely loves. Man, sure is hot in here. So then I take my shirt off and I've got a Miami <laughs> Hurricanes jersey on. And it, I, it shook my fillings. It was, <laughs> so this is when I realized too that, that a lot of fans, they can't suspend belief. And when you insult them in the ring, the workers, they get to go in and hide in, in the locker room area. Donnie didn't think that through. Donnie gets to sit out in the crowd. And as I'm getting out of the ring, this guy is up on the railing, just screaming at me, I'm going to effing kill you. I'm going to follow you home and I'm going to murder your kids. And, he just, and he, he's taking this seriously. And that's when it clicked. Shit, I don't have another shirt to put on. I'm going to walk around the building wearing this Miami Hurricanes jersey, and everybody's going to recognize me. And i got to sit like five rows behind the guy that just threatened to kill me and my kids. So I get to the curtain, and JBL is standing there. And, and he kind of looks around. He looks down at the jersey. He goes, cheap ah, heat. It's good heat. Cheap heat, kid. <laughs> So they end up giving me a T-shirt. One of the guys backstage is like, "Hey, you know what? I can't, I can't let you go out there because you're gonna die. You're gonna die if you go out there." So they ended up getting me like this 3XL. I looked like a little kid in a nightgown, but but it kept me alive. 
So <laughs> those led to the Monday night watch parties at Hooters. There was a two and a half year period that I spent every Monday night at Hooters, whether it was for Monday night football, working uh, remote broadcast for Todd and Tyler, the, the week after Monday night football stopped, it went right back to WCW and WWF. We had two huge projection screens on either side of the room, and yet Raw on one and Nitro on the other. This was the golden age of, of the Monday Night Wars. We watched all 83 weeks, all 83 weeks as a group. And depending on what was happening on the screen, we could switch the audio over and listen to that. And there'd be, there'd be weeks that there'd be 30 of us there. And then there'd be weeks that there were 250, 300 people there. And it was all, the majority of the people that were there were all of one mind. We loved wrestling. Absolutely loved wrestling. We loved talking wrestling. We loved, we we loved just being around other people that loved wrestling that weren't being mocked for loving wrestling. And so that's kind of that's kind of how I started to get involved. Like you like you said, uh, hosting these wrestling events, and and it really truly just came down to I was the only one in the building that loved wrestling. So and there there are some some stories that I know that I want to get into later about some of these uh, times that you hosted. There's sure. a couple stories that I want you to tell later. Sure. But so that led to you actually uh, getting in the ring and training. So yeah, talk, talk about, uh, you know, how you, how that led into you actually training. So uh, actually the anniversary of uh, it was Hogan and Rodman was the very first impetus of getting in the ring. Uh, and so we were talking about Hogan and Rodman on the morning show. And so me and my buddy Tony decided Tony's five foot nothing and a hundred and nothing. And so he was going to be Dennis Rodman. We were going to do, we did a, a live broadcast at, I believe it was a, was a Maristar uh, and the sports bar. And so we were going to do a hardcore match because we didn't have a, we didn't have a, a ring. And so I dressed up like Hulk Hogan, and he dressed up like Dennis Rodman, and we beat the living piss out of each other for about 10 minutes, threw each other through some tables. And it was, <laughs> there was, he, Tony came over, we were, we were going to practice some of, the, some of the stuff, so we didn't look totally stupid. <laughs> and so we are in our third, we're, we're in my third story apartment, and we're like, all right, well, we got to practice. Should we do a suplex? And he's like, I don't, I don't even know how to do that. So what, we were like little kids. We pulled all the cushions off the couch, and we had a futon <laughs> mattress, and we put it right in the middle of the living room. And uh, I'm like, all right, come here, Tony. And so without even, without even saying anything, or like a one, two, three, or giving him a, I just locked it in and flipped it over and held him up and just both of us flat bump onto, the, onto this futon mattress, knocked the wind out of both of us. And he goes, yeah, I think practice is over. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were doing the Hooters matches, I'm like, you know what? I think, I think uh, my, my character name, uh, when I first started calling Todd and Tyler, was Red Neckman. The red, uh, it started out as Redneck Man, and then it turned into Red Neckman before I became Donnie. Uh, and so my wrestling character was Red Neckman. And I came out in bib overalls and... And uh, just, I look like the redneck that I am. And uh, so we decided I'm going to do a hardcore match because those are, if, you, if you're not technically sound, just 
beating the crap out of each other with stuff, it's you, you can still tell a story with that. And so it, this thing blew up, and it actually happened on my 27th birthday, May 2nd, 1999, 1999, it would have been, yeah. Um, so we had this little, one of the one of the kids that kept coming to the, the Monday Night Watch parties, he was the local backyard champion. Uh, they they have this backyard federation. A lot of these a lot of these younger kids did, and so he kept he kept coming to them. And I'm like, hell, I'll wrestle you. You're actually my size, and so it'll actually be a decent match. Would that be so, uh, Dustin from NWWA Hype Gotti? Uh, no, he it was one of his buddies though. No, oh, okay, it was, it was one of his buddies. So we set up uh, we set up the, the the match. We actually had a car that we uh, I gimmicked the windshield. Uh, so I could come off, do a leg drop off a off a ladder, and uh, go through the windshield. I had a uh, I had a, a spring loaded center punch, uh, which we use in uh, in the fire service to break car windows. Uh, you just put it in the corner and push, and when it pops, the whole window explodes. So we did a gimmick on the hatchback of this old AMC Hornet hatchback that we somebody gave us to beat up, and I put my head through the back windshield, gimmicked with the fake blood, and we had couple hundred people out there to watch these matches and so fast forward another six months i'm hosting an event at the bowling alley in ralston for pay-per-view passes and i meet a gentleman by the name of maury swanger maury came out because we were doing a look-alike contest and maury looked a lot like at the time he looked a lot like the giant he had the longer hair um and he big burly dude and so uh we started talking and he's like hey i hear you talk a lot about wrestling on the radio and you know i'm starting this school i think i think you should come out and come out and give it a try and i'm like sure we can we, we can talk about that and honestly the rest is the rest is history after that i showed up and 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 the training began and and uh and huska was born so and and huska was a uh, owa hardcore wrestler Oh yeah, my, my my gimmick Huska was a uh, I was the original hardcore champion, uh, crowned in uh, March of uh, 2001, and uh, it was it it was a lot of fun. And the reason I went with the hardcore stuff is uh, once again, if you're not as technically sound, I'm basically a self-taught up, up until the OWA. I was basically a self-taught worker, and so there's a lot of things I didn't know. But what I did, but, but what I did know is I had a really high pain threshold. Uh, I could get hit with a ton of shit, and it didn't really seem to phase me. Maybe it's my big, thick head. Um, <laughs> I was also willing to spend more uh, than I was being paid uh, to buy garbage cans and, and, and anything else that I could have, a toaster, whatever I needed to go buy to beat people up with. It, it was going to happen. And it's just I, I have always enjoyed the hardcore matches and that was really in its heyday when it was first coming up you couldn't watch a raw without there being one maybe two hardcore matches or even wcw at the time so yeah huska huska was born uh basically it's a, i'm a husker super fan so when i wrestled in nebraska i was a face and you go right across the river over into council bluffs and it was easy to be a heel <laughs> now who, who would you say you know kind of influenced your your wrestling style then if you were going for the hardcore you know there wasn't a ton of hardcore guys to follow back then um i just 
I was I was a big fan of the Sandman at the time. Uh, going going ECW wise, um, charisma wise, trying to I always tried to emulate Sting. You know, he he could talk. Uh, that's obviously where my face paint came from. Uh, just an absolute blatant ripoff of <laughs> the Sting face paint. But uh, honestly, yeah, it, I'm I'm more of a Sting guy. Uh, and then and then throw a little bit of Sandman in there, and, and I know that's a really odd combination. Um, but uh, my my style of wrestling is uh, rough, uh, maybe a little bit of brawler if I if I can pull that off because I, I think I can throw a pretty decent punch. But uh, yeah, and then just the hardcore the hardcore part of it, and just willing to try moves anytime. Wasn't there a, a little lesson you learned about face paint? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Marty's like, "Hey, brother, you need to get fa- you need to get some face paint." I'm like, "I don't know where the hell to get face paint at. I mean, what what kind of paint is it?" He's it, like, "Oh, it's latex paint. It's a, it's latex. So you paint it on and then it peels off. It doesn't smudge. So you're not getting uh, getting stuff all over everybody's gear." You know what? I'll get you some. I'll get you some. So he got he got like this half gallon jug of red and white. And him and I are sitting around the, the training center one night, and he goes, hey, so what are you going to do? Are you going to – he's a big sting, big sting guy too. And he's like, he's like, what are you, you going to do your face paint as? Like, you know, um, I'll probably just go with sting. And he goes, I think you should try that. I think you should try it. There's some brushes. So I go into the bathroom there, and I get it all painted up. And I, I – I, it used to go all the way up into my forehead, so it was more of a road warrior's look to it. And I painted everything. Absolutely everything. And I come walking out there, and Maury just starts giggling. And he's sitting behind that desk, and he is just giggling. And then he just starts, just this bellow, this, <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus Christ, if you didn't like it, you could have just told me. He goes, no, dude, you painted your eyebrows. Shit doesn't come off your eyebrows. And he, he, he got me. So I, I spent the next, I spent the next two days trying to, they were white. They were just pure white. And so my only option was to just start peeling that crap off of there. So I went a good two months without eyebrows. And uh, <laughs> Maury thought that was freaking hilarious. And honestly, it is, it is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> so in, in your uh, wrestling career, you know, can I talk about some of the highlights there? You had some great, I mean, you had some fantastic matches. I, I saw several of them. You know, um, the Vince Black one where I won the title uh, at Night of Champions, that one, that one was fun. It wasn't that we really didn't have much uh, leeway. We were, we were pretty limited for time because I think that show ran about six and a half hours. And so we were doing a tables match, and I just there, there were some really fun spots, some really smooth spots where – uh, he got me with the ladder in the corner, and then uh, they got they had the can over my head. Uh, the the Jaden Ryder, Jaden Drago was part of that match, and and uh, he dropped an elbow from the from the ropes, and then and then uh, Vince just come up and just kicked the living piss out of me inside that can. Um, it's I I like the hard. My memories are more of the hard spots that I took or delivered. Um, because we were telling a story, and uh, and I think the story was I think the story was told. It was it was I. You can't you can't break me. You absolutely you you bring in three people. You bring in managers. You uh, 
Jesus Christ, the ta- the first table I jumped off off of a 10-foot ladder and hit it, and the son of a bitch didn't break. I just bounced off of it into the crowd. And that was that was probably one of my favorite matches. And then uh, I, I did that uh, one with Stephen King, uh, and we just destroyed each other for 20 minutes. It was, I absolutely loved it. And then the year after that, we got to work a five-way with, it was me, it was uh, Jay Fowler, he was working his Superfly gimmick at the time, uh, Pepper Cricket, and uh, Alex Gretzky uh, was the only heel in the whole match, uh, and uh, Joe Dozer, Joey Anderson, was in that, and it was a elimination hardcore match. And just to be in there with four, four of the best, um, it was it was an honor to be even even uh, to to put on my shoes and paint my face to be in the same ring with those guys. So I think that one right now, even though I was the first one out after about three minutes, it was just it was just it was like a dream being out there with those guys. Now I know you you told me a story about how you learned a little something about giving a promo to a stack of speakers. <laughs> well, we. Some of these, some of these shows that we ran, we run like the Bourbon Street on uh, on Tuesdays, uh, Tuesday nights, and uh, I don't think Maury was getting paid because I know we weren't getting paid. Um, and sometimes there was 30, 40 people there, and sometimes there was two. And I was, uh, I was out there cutting the promo on uh, on uh, Jaden Ryder on Drago, and um, he comes out and we get face to face and. I'm like, there's nobody here, so so I just start getting personal with him, and and that was, I'm I'm pretty quick witted, so I, I was throwing a ton at him, and and to the point where he didn't really have time to respond. I just kept throwing stuff at him, and kept throwing stuff at him, and I dropped a mom card on him, and at that point he grabs me by the shirt and he pulls me in real close and pushes the microphone down, and he goes. That's my mom at that table, you asshole. And then he sits back, and I'm like, I look at her with my, and I'm just like, ma'am, I had no idea. I'm, and so I walked over and I sat down next to her, and I'm like, I, I, I apologize. I apologize very much. Uh, I had no idea that. What are the odds that one of two people that are in this building that's not wrestling tonight uh, would happen to be? the person that I just insulted. So I apologize. And then I got back up and then I went right back after. <laughs> we just took a little time out and go back there. We're going to yell at each other. But that was, that was the early days. That was the early days. And, and a lot of the guys that we had working, they were, they were still learning their, their promo skills. Um, we had a lot of heels and we had a lot of guys working heel and attempting to work face um we didn't have we didn't have polished a lot of polished guys we had we had a handful of really really polished workers but we just that maury gave me a lot of leeway because he knew that if they handed husk of the microphone it was going to be entertaining it was going to be a train wreck one of the two (laughs) which was entertaining as well absolutely now, who was it that was, it was a small crowd and you jumped up on the, a corner that was just facing the one individual? <laughs> well, when I came out, I, of course, 
I didn't have anything original about my gimmick at all. Uh, so I would do what Steve Austin did. I'd come in there, and when you're in the big arenas, I would go to, I'd bring out a Husker flag with me, and I would go out, uh, I'd go to every corner, stand on the second rope, and I'd jump on, I'd go and I'd hit every corner. So when you were working at the Bourbon Street, there was, uh, there was one corner that you couldn't actually stand up on the top rope because there was a speaker up there. Uh, so I forgot. And <laughs> so I come up and I hit it and I hit all three corners and I like, ah, son of a bitch, I got to do it. So I get up there and I get to the, I get to the, the second rope and I'm standing there because the speaker's pushing on my head. And the, there's a guy, it's, I think it's the security guy so there. And I'm playing to him. I'm playing to him like it's like, like there's a, a million people. And, and he's just, he, he got, actually got physically uncomfortable. And he turned around and he walked outside to smoke. And so now I'm talking to literally nobody. I'm just standing there with my back to everyone. And I'm playing the crowd like there's, like there's a thousand people there. And it, it, was, it was fun. It was entertaining. Uh, I, 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 was getting, I was getting at least a couple good pops in the back from the boys, which, uh, which is kind of, kind of flattering, if, if, if you want to call it that. But, but yeah, there was, uh, I actually stood and I, uh, I just grabbed the mic and I cut the promo uh, to, the, uh, to the empty corner of the bar uh, with a speaker pushed up against the side of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys have any questions about uh, the OWA days? Because I know you guys were, were big fans as well. Uh, I was in attendance at a lot of early OWA shows. The, the Vince Black match, was that the one at the Armory? Yes, it was. Yeah, in the boxing ring. Yep, and and mix ring, wasn't it? His kickboxing ring. Yeah, it was. It was uh, the show was. Uh, they do three. It was a, a combination show. It was pro wrestling and kickboxing. Yep. And so we didn't have a ring yet. Maury had ordered the ring, and it kept getting delayed and kept getting delayed. So we just did the show in the boxing ring. And anybody knows anything about boxing rings? They they don't give it all. Uh, pro wrestling rings give a little bit. But this was uh, a couple inches of carpet padding and steel girders supported all the way across, and uh, yeah, that was there were four ropes and a and, and a concrete floor basically. Yep. Wow. It's <laughs> terrible. Um, in in your tenure, I do remember because <clears throat> I came in. Actually, my my best friend was Nightshade back in the day. Oh, cool. Eric Dreer. Yeah. Um, so when he when he came aboard, I became like a big fan. I was there. I donated. The OWA's first ring bell. Uh, nice. Did some ring music for some of the guys. Helped Maury out with some video stuff early on. Um, in your tenure, what what happened? Because I remember you started and then you disappeared and then you came back. So, was there something personal going on between you and Maury? Was it well, just personal life? It's well here, I, and I've never I've never told this story publicly. So honestly, thank you for bringing yes. it up. Um, we, Exclusive. Yeah. So we. Uh, it just gotten done, and the uh, school was starting to show some some little groups. The older guys, like yep. me and Abu and, and and Max, we were all close to thirty, and we were. And then Storm came in, and there were there were some older guys, and then there were some younger guys. And so we did a show. Maury and I did a, a made the made the the decision we were going to do a show to try and keep kids safe. Basically, don't do this at home. Right. There was a, a story where a kid down in Florida was killed 
because his cousin uh, did a rock bottom onto a sidewalk. I remember that. And so Maury and I were sitting there one night, and we're just like, dude, we got to do something. So did we got to do something? So we set up, and we were we set up a show at a grade school, and we did an entire we did we had three matches. And we were actually in assembly. This wasn't at night. This was during the school day. And so what we did was we did the show. And after the three matches, then I got up there and we, we opened it up. We gave every secret that, 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 that exists. Right. Show these kids that what they're seeing on TV is, uh, is a performance. It is a dance. It is improvisation. It is training that you have to do to do these moves safely. And, I mean, to the point where we brought, we brought uh, one of the older teachers up into the ring, and we, we had talked to her already. And, and so you start asking the kids, what was the last time you saw a wrestler with a black eye? Right. But you saw him punch, you saw these guys punch each other in the face 15 times. So we started showing them. So I laid into one of the, I don't even remember who it was in the ring with me at the time, um, but it might have been Gage. But so I lay into him, one, two, three, and then he takes the bump on the fourth shot. And the kids are going, oh, my God. And so then I bring Miss Johnson into the middle of the ring and stand there. And I'm like, just stand there. You're going to be just fine. And I laid four, five, six, seven, eight shots right to the side of her head, and she never moved a muscle. And so the kids are just loving it. They're like, oh, my God, there's something to this. Right. And then you run the ropes. You run the ropes, and then I clothesline that guy. So then Mrs. Johnson, hold your arm right here. And I ran the ropes, and I ran under, and I ran around her, and then I ran into her arm and took the bump. And so we think, more and I think we did a, a, a great thing. Mm-hmm. We think we did an absolute amazing thing because even if it kept one kid from getting hurt doing this stuff at home it's it, it was worth it absolutely so we go back to the train i go back to the training center the next week and that's when it was still at the uh, emerald dragon dojo off of uh, blondo so i go in there and i'm working out and i hear some guys talking in the next room and for the record, I got no heat with this guy now. It was probably just some dumb thing to say or to, to, to even mention uh, being young. I'm going to just pass it off as being young. But I hear Drago, I hear Jaden in the other room saying that's a bunch of bullshit. You're giving up the kayfabe. Kayfabe was gone. Yeah. Kayfabe was absolutely gone. It was gone at that point. Vince gave it up. Um, Vince uh, McMahon gave it up. So he's like, all I hear is, and I don't know who he was talking to. He said, he needs to go on his head. I need to put him on his head. That'll, te- that'll teach him a lesson. We need, we, need to teach, we need to teach him that, that uh, uh, fucking radio guy doesn't need to come in here. Right. And so I knew exactly who he was talking about. Um, and so I left. And I'm like, all right, well, that's, that's unfortunate. Uh, you know, I got three small kids at home. Right. Uh, the other aspect of it was uh, Todd and Tyler were not making it easy for me to continue to wrestle uh, because 
know, the, the old adage, uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity. That's bullshit. <laughs> um, when those two would just absolutely destroy anything that I was accomplishing or doing, um, basically they were trying to get me to quit. Right. They were trying to get me to quit. And it was starting to negatively affect the, uh, the OWA, the, them talking about it and me being a part of it. And so I made the decision that the last thing that Maury needed, he was the, the, we were starting to struggle a little bit anyway, the last thing that the OWA needed was more bad publicity, and he didn't need a split locker room. Yeah. And at that point, Jaden had the ears of 99% of the younger wrestlers. So I didn't feel like I was going to be safe in the ring at that point. And I also didn't want Maury to lose his business. And so I talked to Mo. I said, this has nothing to do with you. You've been amazing. And he made offers to do this or to do that. And that was going to do nothing but undermine everything that he tried to do. Right. And so I just made the decision uh, for my safety and for, 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 for Maury's well-being business-wise and mentally not having to deal with a split locker room. I just, I walked away. I appreciate you sharing that story. I've always wondered. And yeah. uh, I kind of figured yeah. that's what happened because I too know of those clicks from just being with uh, Eric Drew and Nightshade singing behind the, right. the backstage politics and stuff. It, it did get very clicky. So I, I totally yeah. get it. And it's not worth permanent injury or again, as you said, throwing Mo's whole thing that he's trying to build up under the bus. So absolutely. Thank yeah. you for sharing yeah. that story. So, yeah, you bet. You bet. Once again, I've got no ill will towards towards uh, Jaden at all because, once again, we all did dumb shit when we were young. Yeah, for sure. We all did. We are, we have all said stupid things uh, in the heat of the moment, um, and uh, I've I've worked around him at the at Magnum uh, for a couple of years, and uh, there's no. There's no, there's no ill will on my end anyway, uh, towards that. I just look at it. It was, it was unprofessional, but it was also, it was also probably just a stupid kid comment. Sure. And if we're going to drop anyone on their head, let's drop the masked wrestler from Fox on his head because he, (laughs) he exposed it first. All right. And on national TV. He did. (laughs) Shout out to the masked wrestler. (laughs) Shout out. (laughs) Yeah, you, you weren't going to drop him on his head. That was Harley Grace. <laughs> right. <laughs> but so then uh, after some time off, you made a big comeback. And uh, you you had, I don't know if you had more than one match, but I know for sure you had that one match at uh, the Firefighters Hall. We did. So, it, and funny story, It uh, and to prove that there's no ill will, uh, I ran into uh, Hype Gotti and Jaden. Uh, my wife uh, worked worked for Z92 at the time. Um, she was hosting a uh, New Year's Eve party, and those two showed up. And so uh, he's like, "Hey, you need to you need to come check out you need to come check out uh, this this uh, wrestling promotion over at Council Bluffs called Magna Pro." And uh, I was talking to Gotti about it, and and he's like, "Yeah, it's a you know it's a it's it's a place to work. It's 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 rough, but it's still a place to work." And and so uh, the next the next month, I showed up at Magnum, and I was just, wow, this is, I need to do this, I need to do this because I had just come off of I ruptured 
uh, two discs in my neck uh, a few years before that. And I wanted to make sure that I, I wanted to see if I was healed. And so uh, after going to a couple of shows and talking to Nate, uh, talking to, to Strife, sorry, uh, uh, after the shows, uh, I'm like, hey, can I, can I come into one of your uh, one of your training sessions come b- before the shows? I just want to come in and see if I can still bump and just kind of see what I got. So I came in and and it was me and a bunch of new guys and they're all looking at me like this dude's forty. I'm, <laughs> I'm legitimately I'm forty one years old and and I'm still in still in damn good shape, but I'm six foot, probably about uh, two fifteen at the time. And uh, I came in, and Stephen King honestly was was uh, running the the training session, and uh, I hadn't ever talked to him, and so he's like, "All right." So I was about halfway through the line, and these guys he's like, "All right, front bump, back bump, uh, front bump, back bump. Let's see what you got." And so I came in, and it was. I'm like, okay, well, I'm either gonna I'm either gonna blow the discs on the first one, or I think I'm good. <laughs> and I hit, and it was just, it was fast, and it fell friggin' good. Oh my god, <laughs> I loved it. I hit, and I popped right back up, and I face planted, and then back bump, face plant, back bump, and I stood back up with this huge grin on my face. And he looked at me and goes, somebody's got the bug. <laughs> and I went to Nate. I went to, I went to Strife uh, after that training session. And he's like, well, we're doing an OWA spot uh, coming up here, uh, Chip Douglas spot. And uh, so Hype Gotti was the champ uh, along with Devin Thomas. Um, they were all working heel, and so he's like, "Anybody in the back wants to come out?" So Huska, so I come out. Nice. Uh, and and a fake challenge, for fake because I'm working in Council Bluffs. I can't work face in in Iowa right. as a Husker. That just that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so my my big return to the ring was as a heel, and so I come in there and we face off, and uh, after I'm throwing all these Husker flags to all the fans. Some are cheering, some are booing, and I get up into the I get up into the ring and I get in Gotti's face, and uh, he's got he goes, you think you want some son? You want some son? People are all stupid. This is a buddy of mine, and we hug, and so I walk around the ring going, you're stupid, and you're stupid, and just just and I, I think I told like an eight year old kid that he was stupid, and I, I kind of then I moved my finger up, and I'm like, I'm talking to you in the back. No, no, you <laughs> should have let that kid have it. It would have been a memory yeah. forever. So then Red Wing comes in. Red Wing had just started working. And he comes in, and then he no-sells. He no-sells a few punches. And, uh, and we, hadn't even, we hadn't even really talked much about it. I'm like, just don't, just no-sell everything I throw at you. I'll back up, and then just take my head off. Just take my head off. That's all you got to do. He goes, Yes, sir. I think I can do that. <laughs> so polite. Right. And so uh, he comes in and he no sells a couple of punches, and then I try to throw him, and I grab the wrong arm too, which just makes me feel stupid. Uh, and uh, and so I'm like, no, 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 we're good. We're buddies. We're buddies. It's it's okay. It's okay. And I take two steps back, and that guy launches and catches me with a meat hook, just an absolute lariat. And next thing I know, I'm on the back of my I'm on the back of my shoulders, and he just he just took it out of me, and I 
I, I was just smiling, just <laughs> smiling as I'm being drugged feet first by Gotti and like, yes. and uh, Devin out of the ring. Uh, I am just going, oh my god, this is this is amazing. So go to Strife. Started meeting with Strife pretty regularly, um, just to talk wrestling. Um, and this was right about the time that AJ Styles was uh, being released from TNA. And we just kind of threw the idea. I don't remember who exactly came up with the idea, but he had been talking to me about using the, the Firefighter Union Hall uh, for, a, uh, for a show. And I'm like, well, you're going to get it cheaper if, if it's, a, if it's a, a charity event. And so, like, well, let's do MDA. That's the Muscular Dystrophy Association is, the, is what uh, our fire union does uh, all the time. So let's just do that. Let's do a, a fundraiser for them. So they, they gave us the room, and he's like, well, we need a name. We need a big name. And so we found out that AJ Styles was 1500 bucks, And uh, I said, all right, well, here's the deal. I will help sell uh, the, the packages. I will help sell. And not that he needed a ton of help selling, but maybe some, some fresh advertisers. And I said, but, he goes, you want a match, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Said I want a hardcore match. Find somebody bigger than me. I want a hardcore match. I've never, I, I very rarely have I worked with anybody bigger than me. Um, even at two fifteen, I was still one of the one of the taller guys. I never got the joy to to get the piss kicked out of me by Abu uh, or Max. Um, but uh, it, I, I wanted somebody bigger, and so we you know, we we made that happen. We brought AJ Styles in, and uh, honestly, you know what? The first, the first time I ever, and I, I completely spaced this off, was when I did a run-in at Harris Casino at a, I believe, Sonny Anzaldo was the was the promoter for this. Yep. And Mantar and uh, PN News showed up at Monday Night Wrestling Party. And so they're like, hey, you think you can give us some uh, pub on the radio and, and all that, and we'll let you be part of the match if you want to come out? And I'm like, yeah, we could do that, absolutely. What do you want me to do? Uh, you, th- could, you think you can just make fun of us? Oh, I can do that. <laughs> and so I just lay into these guys about being washed up, uh, doing my Cartman voice, saying, oh, look at me, my name is Mantar, I got a buff to I'm not fat, oh no, I'm really fat. And so I'm just laying into these guys. And so they start to get, they, they get pissed. And so the end of the night, um, I'm in the bathroom, and uh, news comes in, and he goes, hey brother, just to let you know, um, you did a really good job getting under our skin tonight. That was, uh, that was really good. Uh, and I couldn't tell if he was joking or if he was pissed. Right. He goes, but there's going to be a receipt at the end of the night just to kind of create some drama for the show. So I'm like, all right, cool. What do you got? Well, we're going to try and corner you and you run out of the building. And then I'm like, okay, I can do that. So they chased me all over the Hooters, all over. And I ran out the front door. We get out in the parking lot and, uh, we stop around the corner and they're like, all right, that was great. That was great. And I'm thinking, okay, cool. We're done. Uh, they go, no. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go in there and you're going to, uh, in the entryway, the concrete entryway, 
right by the right by the registers. You are going to take the microphone and you're going to welcome everybody, or thank everybody for coming out and all that. And I want you to make sure that everybody's looking at you, and we're going to come up behind you. And Antar is going to scoop you up and he's going to body slam you on the floor, and then keep your head down because I'm going to come in there and I'm going to throw the boots at you a couple of times. And then we're going to grab the microphone, probably call you a piece of shit, and uh, invite everybody out to the wrestling on Saturday. Like, perfect. Let's do that. Sounds good. Never taken a, never taken a, officially taken a body slam before, but Mike's 400 pounds. He, he should be able to pick me up, no problem. Right. It was spot on. I get in there, thanks. Did the whole, they come up and they bump into me, and I did the whole reaching behind me. <laughs> behind me and then I did both hands and I've got 800 pounds standing behind me and I just went ah oh, shit <laughs> Pick, spins me around scoops me up and it was the most textbook flat back but he he protected me really well scooped my head he hit he when I hit the floor my legs went numb I mean it was just this boo this slap right and my legs went numb and i look up and my girlfriend at the time is sitting at her table and she is she had no idea any of this was coming and everybody at my table is looking like oh donnie's dead too <laughs> <laughs> much for the free booze on monday nights right and so in that whole i think i just broke my spine i roll over and i forget the part that news is coming with the boots mm. so i pick my head up oof and it just ricochets down and my eyebrow bounces off the floor and he hits me with a couple of more and I get up and I am just blood. Just blood. And I'm on my knees and, and he Mike grabs the Mantar grabs the, the the mic and starts starts yelling at me and calls me a piece of shit and shoves me down and, and uh and then oh everybody make sure I come out on Saturday and then they just turn around and they walk out. <laughs> So I show up, and they're like, all right, so here's what you're going to do. You're going to be at ringside. We got you a ringside seat. And then at the beginning of our match, they're wrestling public enemy. Those two were teaming up to wrestle public enemy. So we get everything planned backstage. And uh, funny story about that is uh, they're like, all right, so Donnie's going to come out. He's going to make fun of us. So he's going to be working face with you guys because those two are working heel. Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge are working face. And so he's going to come up. And he's gonna inter- he's gonna interfere at the beginning. We're gonna jump him, and then you guys are gonna try and save him. And then he's gonna swerve on you at the end, and 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 take you guys out. And so he's got no no friends. So hit him with a chair. And, you know, hit Rocco with a chair. Rocco goes, "Hey kid, you ever hit anybody with a chair?" I go, "No, I think I can figure it out." He goes, "Hit me in the nuts. Just hit me in the nuts. You're not gonna. I'm not taking." I'm not taking a chair shot from just some guy in the street. <laughs> so I'm ringside, and uh, Mantar comes around, and I throw my beer in his face. And I would like to point out that the show was being announced uh, and sponsored by K-Rock, our direct competition <laughs> at Z92. Tubby <laughs> and Zaldo's granddaughter was the ring announcer. So... I slide in the ring, and I'm wearing a Z-shirt. I slide in the ring. And this looks like the the biggest dick move that anybody could ever do. And I reach down, and I grab the microphone. And before I go after 
Mike and uh, Mike and Paul, I look at her and I go, my name's Donnie Dodge from Z92's Todd and Tyler show. If you ever want to work for a real radio station, maybe you come put it in an application. To this girl, to this young girl, and I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> working heel now. Yeah. So I go after Mike, and the, the key was Mike was out, out of the ring. We did the same thing we did at Hooters, except this time it was just Paul. I'm in there, and I threw some stuff at Mike. Like, it's amazing that you can you can stay around Omaha this long. I didn't know SeaWorld had such a liberal vacation plan. Um, just, and, and, and I said, the cue for, for Paul to come in, to, for Paul to step in is, why don't you eat a carrot, you fat tub of shit, was the, <laughs> was the, the cue. And I got, why don't you eat a carrot, you f- and... I got hit with a PN News forearm right across the shoulders, and it was stiff. <laughs> <laughs> one snug, one tight, one, uh, one light. It was stiff. <laughs> and so we, we worked the whole match. It was great. I was, in, I was involved in the entire thing. Uh, and then, so then, Rocco goes out, takes out a table on the floor, and uh, we end up Mantar at one point goes up. He leans down and goes, hey, brother, you think you could take a, a moonsault from you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been practicing them. I'm like, no, no, I'm not taking a moonsault from you. Absolutely not. So I swerve on these guys at the end. Rocco, uh, both, of those two, uh, both of those two get back in the ring. Uh, Mantar and Mantar and News are, uh, took a powder and they're on the outside and I'm holding up these guys' arms. We're celebrating. We're celebrating. We're kicking the crap out of the SOBs, the, the South Omaha boys as they're calling themselves. And they both, turn, they both turn their backs to me and I low blow one and I low blow the other and I spit on both of them. News and Mantar slide in. They get the pin. They get the win. Now I have to walk back to the locker room through the crowd and I'm like nobody here likes me nobody <laughs> nobody here especially that you know, that girl that works for K-Rock she really doesn't like me but now I gotta I gotta walk back and there's no there's no railings there's no security there's there's nothing and this beer can just go right past my head <laughs> and then I got hit with a chair and it's one of those big steel unfoldable 40 pound sons of bitches it, and that that hits me in the back, and I'm like, oh, okay, I should uh, I should run. And so <laughs> I get back to the locker room, and the boys make their way back, and they're like, ah, good job, that was it was it was good business, good job, that was that was awesome. I'm like, all right, guys, well, I'll see you later. And Ronnie's like, where are you going, kid? You don't want to go out there. They threw <laughs> chairs at you. Good heat, but they got they threw chairs at you. You're a dead man if you walk <laughs> out there. Most people don't know that. We were all in on this. I might, but they're not acting like it. So they end up getting me a sweatshirt, this huge oversized sweatshirt. And uh, they end up es- escorting me and my wife out to our car uh, because uh, security didn't want anything to do with it because security just thought it was part of, the, part of the show and it was no big deal. But, uh, yeah, they, I, end up, I end up getting escorted out, out, of, uh, out of Harris Casino, not the first time, <laughs> um, but uh, my first time escorted out of Harris Casino in a sweatshirt uh, by uh, PN News and uh, Rock O Rock. 
It, it sounds like that story. It, it sounds like the key to your survival is oversized clothing. to be able to get that kind of heat though has got to be just amazing to live like you know you don't get that kind of heat anymore at all in any type of fashion where people want to actually physically harm the person so that's 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 an awesome memory to have yeah and it's uh it's it's really fun the last last time i did the heat was when i made the uh, when I made the Hall of Fame uh, announcement for Brian Blade at the MWA show, I went down there and I had my shirt underneath the ring where Huska keeps his stuff hidden underneath, <laughs> uh, hidden underneath the ring. And I was the very first OWA hardcore champion, and Brian was the very last one. And so I've got the belt, and I came out, and he had just won his match, and I came out heel... And um, I'm yelling at the crowd, and it was, it just worked. It worked so well. Uh, I made people wait. I'm like, hold on, I need, I need something. And I walk all the way over to the travel and display, and I grab my hardcore belt. I'm like, Blade's got a belt, I want a belt. And you people can wait until I go get my belt. And they're booing me. And uh, so we get up in the ring. And, and, and we sell the whole thing about, I sell the whole thing about, you know, I was never technically beaten for this title and you were the last title holder. So, you know what? You know what? I got a great idea. I got a great idea. I got something for you underneath the ring. And I went and I put, put on my, my, my Hall of Fame shirt and then people finally started to tap in yeah. and then announced. And so I got a guy comes up to me uh, after the intermission. He goes, hey. I just want to let you know, I'm really sorry. Sorry for what? He goes, well, I was booing you. I was booing you because you were being really rude. And you, were, you were like saying stuff that wasn't cool, but then you, but then you went in there and then I saw it was just an act and you were you just kind of messing with us. And, and I'm like, hmm, that kind of makes me feel good. <laughs> you went exactly where I used to, you, you drove right where I wanted you to drive. You, you came along with me for the ride. And I'm like, no, man, it's, it's no... No, I mean, he goes, I'm glad you did that because I was going to follow you out to the parking lot after the show. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Still real to me, damn it. <laughs> I love it. That's outstanding. So in mentioning the, the, the Hall of Fame, um, as your career in the ring kind of uh, came to an end, what prompted you to, to start the Hall of Fame then? You know what? I'm a huge history fan. Uh, I do historical documentaries as a hobby. Um, I like to think, and I've always thought this way, I like to think that each and every one of us can accomplish something in their lives that you will be remembered at least for a long time. Not forever, but you've, you've done something. So when you're gone, your legacy continues. And I thought to myself, you know, there's so many, there's so many guys out there that have not gotten the recognition that they deserve. Uh, there are so many people out there that don't know what these people have done. And I was honored and lucky enough to be friends with Mad Dog, Sean. Uh, I was honored to, to be trained by him uh, at, in certain things. And, and Maurice was just a sweetheart. And uh, it was always, it's a, it's a, it doesn't matter if you're looking at the mat. Or if you're looking up at the lights at the end of the day, if you did your job, you did good. And that's that. That's kind of what I wanted to do. Well, now I can't wrestle. 
And so I wanted to make sure that I could still hang out with the guys. Still wanted to be around the guys, be around wrestling. And I thought, what better way than to create something that doesn't exist, the, the Nebraska Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and let's do it my way. Let's, we're not going to get a building. We're going to do a traveling display. We are going to induct people. We're going to have websites. We've got social media. Buildings nowadays are almost unnecessary. Um, so we, we, we started with that. And, and the very first class was chosen by me. Uh, that there was, there's no two ways about it. There wasn't any other way that I could do it. But you look at that first class, and there isn't anybody that's going to argue uh, that any one of those people deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, for and every one of them is for different reasons. Every one of them is for different reasons. Um, it's there's no set. You have to have wrestled at this promotion for this many years, or made it to the WWF, or made it to WCW. It's what did you do for professional wrestling? Did you leave your mark? It's really kind of whether that mark was being a trainer or whether that mark was being a promoter or a wrestler or both. Or did you leave your mark by being one of the, one of the most uh, recognizable gimmicks in all of, in all of wrestling? Um, everybody's in there for a different reason. And every one of them in, in there is uh, deserving. So I wanted to start it that way. I wanted to start the Hall of Fame just because, I, number one, it was a selfish reason. I still wanted to be around the guys. But the more I dug into it, I realized that there's so many stories out there um, that people don't know. And there's a generation that has lost the information about what Mad Dog and what Baron Von Raschke and what Ted DiBiase have done. Not everybody out there is a 50-year-old wrestling nerd. Um, so it's my job and it's Mikey's job. That, that, that he accepted to make sure that what these people did never, ever forgotten. And I think one thing that, that sets the Nebraska Hall of Fame apart from any of the rest of them is we actually recognize what has happened in the state of Nebraska mm-hmm. and like the, the OWA. Um, and something that was just recently uh, introduced is the video vault. Yes, so the video vault is Maury Swanger's uh, VHS tapes that he gave to uh, Pete Sanctions, and Pete transferred all of that stuff over to DVD. And then those DVDs were given to me by Maury uh, to be the keeper of the history, to, uh, to put it in a box and hide it away, never to be seen again like the end of Indiana Jones. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> That I said, top men. Uh, so, so what I'm doing now is once a week, I am uploading shows from the OWA, and they are exactly what you think they are. Some of them, the cameras uh, are moving. They they got somebody at, at ringside, um, but back then, a lot of them it was just a static camera, static VHS camera, um, and I put them on the website. I don't put them on the social media pages because. Uh, they'd get taken down because of the intro music. Right. And I want all of it to be able to be seen. I want the intros to be able to be seen. And so it's at uh, it's at our, our website, which is prowrestling-nebraska.com. Uh, the OWA Video Vault, we put out a show, sometimes half a show. Um, like for this week instance, uh, the show ran three and a half hours. And so I divided it up. 
And so you, you can go there and you can watch some of your favorite wrestlers. You can watch Nightshade. You can watch, uh, you can watch Blade. You can watch Aust- Austin Storm, Gotti, uh, Babyface Tony Cortez. Uh, oh, man. Muscles just, Malone. Muscles Malone. Oh, my God. <laughs> Larry Lumps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the, 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 the days of the untouchables. Yep. Um, it was, uh, it's so much fun. Vertigo. Oh, my God. Uh, it's so much fun to put these matches in and to upload them because I remember so many of these shows and just things that I, things that I forgot um, is, is, is amazing. Well, I keep getting hit with garbage cans. It's amazing the things <laughs> that, that you forget. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're doing that. We are honoring the, the locals um, because without a lot of these locals, this the, the, the Hall of Fame, there may not have been an, MW, uh, an MWA or a Magnum Pro or a PWP. Right. Well, PWP was made by a, what, what was that guy's name? He used to work OWA. It's like when OWA and died, they split to two factions. And oh, PWP yeah, like an NRW or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't remember the kid who yeah, made NLW. it. Yeah. Yeah. And so many guys were trained. So many guys were trained by guys that were part of the OWA. Yep. Because I know Gotti, uh, Gotti was trained at the OWA. Gotti came in as a as a young young kid, um, and and he was talented talented as hell. Um, so you get a guy like uh, Storm and Maury and myself a little bit. Um, most of his most of his charisma is natural. He yep. didn't. He didn't need a lot of help with that, um, but uh, you know. Then he turns around and he cha- he trained uh, Strife, and how many people have been trained by Strife? And it just keeps going down the road of you just keep paying it forward. Yep. With with the, uh, you know, as as the Hall of Fame has continued, and by the way, I'm very honored that you brought me in because. It's, you know, I've learned a lot and I've, you know, had a lot of, of experience. What are some of the things that surprised you in your research of the, these inductees? The amount of, the amount of uh, wrestling that they did. These guys were working, these guys and gal, uh, uh, Helen Hill, they, they were working three, four nights a week. They were running the... I mean, people hack on the WWE for for all the shows that they do and keeping these guys on the road for 300 and 320 days a year. They were doing that back then, too. And they were doing it by car. You know, they weren't they didn't have the luxury of flying and they were doing they were doing multiple uh, multiple promotions. And, and it uh, the, the the sheer amount of work that these that they were doing uh, and also keep in mind back when they were wrestling in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, the speed limit was like 45 miles an hour. So it'd take you it'd take you 12 hours just to get to Minneapolis from Omaha. So I think I think that's probably what it is is the, the sheer amount of matches that are popping up, um, and then just the, the the sheer amount of different federations that there were uh, throughout the country that these guys uh, and, and and gal worked. Well, and you got to remember back then, matches weren't, we have a 20-minute time limit. They were right. hours. <laughs> hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Definitely. Yeah. And part of having uh, what is, as far as we know, the 
world's largest traveling Hall of Fame display. That's what we're claiming until somebody tells us different. That's how you That's do right. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, are, are the number of, of artifacts that, and memorabilia that we have actually found. What are, what are some, just give people an idea of some of the things that they might see. Well, we actually, from uh, the In Your House uh, pay-per-view at the Civic Auditorium, the only pay-per-view that I'm aware of at the Civic Auditorium, uh, WWF pay-per-view, uh, we have Mad Dog Vachon's leg uh, that uh, the, at HBK hit uh, Diesel in his last televised event for uh, the WWF before he jumped ship to WCW. And uh, with that leg was given to us by uh, Mad Dog's family. Um, he kept it in the kept it in the basement, and being the being the uh, the wrestler that he is, he autographed it before he passed away. Um, <laughs> we've got a lot of we've got a lot of pictures from Mad Dog's collection. Um, we've got a lot of really cool things from from him. Uh, we have uh, from Dave Sullivan. We have the one half, the surviving half of the Dave Sullivan Hulkamaniac robe uh, that was given to him by Hulk Hogan hand-painted backstage um, and when, when he was splitting away from Kevin Sullivan and becoming the ultimate Hulkamaniac and we've got that we've got a pair of Dave Sullivan shorts uh, or trunks that he wore in the ring he, al- he also gave us a pair of red uh, trademark red knee pads that were given to him uh, by Hogan to wear when he was wrestling basically in Hogan's gear um, we've got Coming very soon, we've got a pair of trunks from Lance Cade's mother um, that uh, she is going to be uh, lending to the Hall of Fame. We've got we've got a lot of really cool stuff. It's uh, it, it's not just about the the artifacts though. It's not a uh, imagine going to a museum and going oh that's cool, but you're not learning anything about it. So we want to be that guide as you go through the display. So you're actually going to learn something. You're not just going to look at it and go, oh, cool, that's a leg. Um, you're going to learn where, why it's there. You're going to learn when it happened, and then you're going to learn more about that person. You're going to have the opportunity to do that, and you'll even have the opportunity to do that on your own because uh, starting at the, uh, the Comic-Con that we did out in Grand Island, we have QR codes. So you can walk up and it says, you want to learn more about Dave Sullivan? Scan this QR code. And boom, it takes you right to the webpage, uh, Dave Sullivan's webpage on our, on, our, uh, on our site. And you can do that for almost every wrestler that we have there. Um, we're, we've got, we're having an issue with, uh, we're having an issue with uh, one page, the, the Mantar pages, where it's not doing uh, what we'd like it to do. So we're, we're still, uh, uh, we're still kind of, we're discussing on uh, how to how to fix that problem, but uh, I'm sure we'll, we'll we'll get back to you when that one's up and running. But uh, we will. Uh, you can go to our website. You can come see the display. It's it's an interactive display that you can learn and be entertained by seeing some of the cool things that, we, that we've got. Now I want to stop you for a second because these two bastards know sold your joke, but that is probably my favorite thing that's ever been said on this website. Oh, cool! That's a leg. I just want to, I want to point that out. I, mean, I laughed. Nobody, everybody else knows. Sold it. I couldn't uh, let it go. Hashtag, oh cool! There's a leg. 
Well, and, and not only uh, is it interactive, it's also multimedia because you have the, the uh, you know, like, for example, the legs there. And there might be some video of different spots, you know, different different matches, OWA matches going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this thing is, you can totally immerse yourself. And that's one thing that I've heard, that this dis- this display, you can totally immerse yourself in the history of Nebraska wrestling. And that's, and that's what we love when we see, uh, and, and you're exactly right, we've got video running of Dave Sullivan being given the rope. We've got, uh, we've got video of uh, them cutting the promo uh, before Clash of Champions 29 when he was uh, tagging with Sting and Hulk Hogan being interviewed by Mean Jokerland. Uh, by the way, refed by Mr. T. I mean, you talk you talk about deep water right. for for a kid from Omaha, Nebraska, that you know played high school ball at Westside and and uh, and graduated from UNO and uh, didn't quite make it in the NFL, and now he's he's in the ring with Kevin Sullivan, with the Butcher, with uh, with Earthquake, Mr. T, Sting. And, uh, it's it's amazing, and we have all of that playing on a TV right next to the robe that you see is it's 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 all part of history and there's so many times that i've been standing there and i'm mikey i know you've been you've been part of this too where uh a guy in his 30s or 40s walks up with a kid that's 10 and well dad who's that oh my god this guy was the greatest when when i was your age he did this and he did that and so now the kid's on his phone and he's learning about this and watching matches that that so they're they're bonding over their love of wrestling, and that is, if we can if we can make a, a, a dad and a teenager get get along for a night because they have the same love of, of wrestling, that's that's a cool thing. That's a really cool thing to be able to do, and it's it's uh, it's it, it, an unintended uh, great consequence of of putting this this uh, traveling display together. Now I got well, a qu- I, think I got a question, oh, Mikey. Go ahead, um, go ahead. So you speak, you know, love of wrestling. <clears throat> I'm just curious, and this is a this is a fan question. Um, if sir, you were to have a Mount Rushmore of professional wrestlers for you, I would like you can do three normal ones, but I want your fourth one to be a deep dive that I wouldn't expect. Oh man! All right. Well, Sting. Okay. Sting would be would be my number one. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, these are pretty cookie cutter ones. Uh, I'm gonna say Rock, okay, just because I share a birthday with him. Now, now your fourth one has to be more obscure, and I want the I want the reason why. Bulldog Bob Brown. That wow. is obscure. <laughs> and why is that's deep as hell? Why is that? <clears throat> that man could throw a punch. That man could he he wasn't going to be fancy when he was tagging with Marty Jannetty. Marty Jannetty was the high flyer, and Bob Brown was he was the animal of that Legion of Doom. He was just going to come in there and just destroy people. He was old school. He was tough. He backstage the the things that I've read about him. He was uh, you you hear the legend of Haku. Yes. Where nobody wants to mess with Haku. Well, Bob Brown was that guy. Backstage, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think I think those I, that would be a, that would be an odd pairing, but yeah, I think Bulldog Bob Brown, and he was one of my first favorite wrestlers as a kid. So yeah, I am going to go Bob Brown. Okay, sorry, Mikey, didn't mean to hijack that. Go ahead and back. No, no, that's fine. <clears throat> another another 
interesting uh, benefit, I would say, that we have is, and this was one of the coolest things I had ever seen. It was the day that I met uh, Dave Sullivan, and there were people looking at the artifacts, they were watching the video, and then they looked over and they go, wait a minute, that's you. And they grabbed a picture, or you grabbed a picture off of the display and said, here, sign that. And so we actually get, not only do you get to come see these this history, but sometimes you get to actually meet the folks that are a part of the history. Yeah, that was Dave. Dave um, he... And, and, and I'm not talking out of school here. He, when he left the WCW, it left a bad taste in his mouth, mm-hmm. uh, the way that it happened. Um, and so when, when we invited him back uh, or invited him to, to come out to some of the shows, he was, was leery on if people were going to rec- remember him. You know, and that's, that's a, that is a terrible feeling because I've had, I've had that happen to me uh, where somebody knows me from, from my days in radio and they'll introduce me to, to somebody that's their friend and go, Oh, Hey, this is uh this is Donnie Dodge. And I'm like, who? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, he, was, he, he was on, he was on the Tom Tyler show. I have no idea who you are. Right. And that, that's a shitty feeling. That's a, it, it was, it, it, then that guy didn't mean to do that. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, stop introducing me to people. <laughs> I've been off the radio for 20 friggin' years. Right, just say, I'm your friend Donnie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah exactly. Exactly. So Dave was, he was a little apprehensive to come back, and he didn't want to make a big hoopla, and he didn't want to get pictures done or anything like that. Well, I printed up a bunch of pictures, and we had them sitting there. And, and I remember that instance. It was at the Magnum Pro Show and mm-hmm. um, at the uh, Ramada Ballroom. And, and uh, this kid was just like, oh, my God, this is – this is, do you, do you have anything that I could, uh, that, that he could sign? Do you have like a napkin or something that a piece of paper that he could sign? And, and I'm like, no, here, take this. There was the eight by 10 that we took of him in, in his robe. And, and, uh, and we made that kid's night, right? Made that kid's night for a, for a, a $2 eight by 10. That was part of the display that I can replace immediately. And it's about, it's about, Doing that little extra things um, to to keep the crowd um, engaged, and just it, it creates that ripple effect. You don't know what type of impact you might have had on that young man. He could now right. be a professional wrestler or something of the like. You know, he could absolutely, absolutely. At least a big fan of Dave Sullivan. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know for sure. Yeah. Like I got I got Husker pictures back here. If you want one of those, I don't know who that is. I did this shit too. Rocco Rock, right in the nuts. Right. <laughs> well, and, you know, not only did it uh, ignite maybe that spark in that young fan, but to see that spark in Dave. Yes. He, mm-hmm. And now, if, if if he's making an appearance with us, uh, I just reached back and grabbed a piece of memorabilia from Ralph the Rabbit. <laughs> yeah. you, can, you can get an official. Yvonne Sullivan, <laughs> Ralph yep. the Rabbit Foot. Yeah, yep. he uh, he he really he really enjoys coming out and interacting with the fans, and that's something that, that we're preserving for for the future generations. I tell you what, ultimately, and, what and, and and you said it perfectly there, Mike, and that's why I'm I was uh, I was excited um, to uh, to add you to the add you to the mix with the Hall of Fame because you and I are are of one mind when it comes to what our, what our mission is. And it's not about, 
it's not about us. It's not about money. It's not about recognition. It's about making sure that everybody's remembered. It's it's ultimately it's just a pure endeavor. Is yes. what it is. Yes. You get you, you it. Your hearts are in it for the right reasons, and it's it's a beautiful thing. And you know, cherishing the moments, like you can tell how much you guys love that, giving that moment to that kid and to and to Dave. Like that, that's and that's that's a beautiful thing, man. And it's if one thing, like all all the memorabilia, all that, it's a pure endeavor to like preserve history. And that's 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 important that it, that portion of it's out there because you know if even if they're because I mean you're always going to get pushback no matter what you do in, in life period and like especially something like a Hall of Fame which is ultimately just an attraction for fans. In addition, but like brass tacks, you want people to, it's a reason to come look at something mm-hmm. and you want to have people in there that people want to see. Like there's interesting stories all over the place and who cares who thinks who's deserving or what, you, you know what I mean? Like ultimately it's something where you can be like, Hey, this happened. Look at this. And, and it, it's just a really cool, really cool situation. The whole, the whole thing. To, to touch on to touch on your your deserving uh, part of it, I would like to clear one thing up. So, so that in, in order to get into this Hall of Fame, it it needs to be agreed upon by the surviving members of the Hall of Fame. So, what I initially did for the second year was I gave a list to the surviving members of the Hall of Fame, and they were allowed to vote on who they thought needed to get in. And as, as innocent of a project as that sounds, it, it turned into a shit show, is what it turned into. And so some adjustments had to be made. Um, but every person that gets into the Hall of Fame is agreed upon by uh, everybody that's still with us. Uh, they get sent a list, um, and, th- and that list is usually 10 names long. And, all right, who do you think that it should be? Some people think it should be all of them. Some people think it should be three of them because maybe, they, maybe this, they, they've got reasons why they think this one shouldn't be in or maybe wouldn't appreciate it. Uh, there's also um, maybe we don't want to do a class of 10 because we're going to run out of people to put in, which is a legitimate concern. Um, so everybody uh, since uh, the last three years, we get a list we discuss now I have corrected the mistake of making it a giant group chat um, that's that didn't work well but we uh, had individual messages back and forth to the members saying okay here's here's the, here's the people I'm thinking about you know what are your thoughts and that's how it happens it's not a this this isn't Donnie's Hall of Fame this isn't Mikey Taylor's Hall of Fame this is the Hall of Fame chosen by actual Hall of Fame members, which to me makes the most sense. Um, in, out of out of all of the Hall of Fame, it, it, you should you should be voted in by your peers, yeah, and not by a promoter, not by anybody else. It should be a choice. I actually don't have any choice whatsoever in who gets in. I give them a list. I give them the reasons why, and then they they make the choice. And I think one of the neatest things, and uh, with the advent of, of some reality-type shows that have come out lately, where 
certain promotions are going out and reclaiming their artifacts. Mm-hmm. The, the question has been asked. Who owns the Hall of Fame, Donnie? Nobody. Fans do. Yep. Fans. It's in my basement right now. Um, uh, locked away, secured, uh, heavily insured, armed guard. Nobody's going to touch it. But when I'm gone, it's not getting pieced out. This is this is going to this is going to somebody else that cares as much as we do. Mm-hmm. It's going to continue. This this Hall of Fame, n- no items are for sale from this Hall of Fame. Absolutely none of them. Uh, they they mean too much to the fans uh, to be locked away in some dude's basement or stuck in a stuck in a warehouse somewhere. Um, this is this is the the people's Hall of Fame display. This is the people's Hall of Fame. And once again, when, when I decide that, that my time is up and uh, I'm not going to be part of it anymore, which isn't going to be for a really long time, we are going to find somebody that is capable and willing to carry on the tradition and uh, carry on the Hall of Fame. How's it all funded? Started out by me. Kind of like a kind of like a pro wrestling career, you kind of make uh, you make your choices on what you want your hobbies to be and what you want your life to be and what you're willing to spend your money on. And uh, I've been I've been lucky enough to to get some sponsors. Um, We're always looking for new sponsors. We're always looking for uh, new opportunities uh, to make money. People can donate whether we're at an event. Uh, or at the bottom of every page at ProWrestling-Nebraska.com, there is a, uh, a PayPal where you can donate. Um, donate to that, and all that money will be go- goes towards the upkeep and the creation of new uh, display items. Mm-hmm. And there's also been uh, a, a uh, mention of if you want to have the Hall of Fame at your event. That's a yes. possibility. Yeah. Re- reach out to us. If you have a business... That, um, that you think you want to draw some wrestling fans to or just d- d- kind of an out-of-the-box uh, thing to bring to your business, give us a call. Let's, let's, let's talk. If, you have, uh, if you're throwing a huge birthday party for, uh, for your husband and, and you've got a, a big area that this dis- display could be put up and he's a huge wrestling fan and all his buddies are wrestling fans, give us a call. We're willing to talk. Um, we are willing to go above and beyond and do events like that to make money to make the uh, the, the Hall of Fame what it is. Right. The uh, the other the other portion of this is not only are we providing uh, an outlet for the history to be preserved, but in some cases we're providing an outlet for the families to celebrate the careers that their loved ones may have had. Uh, and sometimes a loved one not with us anymore. Uh, we've had some great, great experiences with that as well. If you want to maybe discuss some of those. Sure. With me, it was uh, Joanne Dusek, uh, Joe Dusek's surviving daughter. Um, she was uh, lo- nice enough to welcome me uh, into her home and talk wrestling. Um, and then obviously uh, with Dave, uh, bringing bringing uh, Evad Sullivan back uh, to to meeting meeting Bill and be becoming friends with Bill uh, has been fantastic. Reaching out to family members, uh, reaching out to Lance Cade's mom and sister, uh, asking their permission uh, to include him in the Hall of Fame. That's one thing that 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 I haven't said is everybody that's in this Hall of Fame 
Um, we've done everything humanly possible to reach out and to make contact with family members, make sure that they're okay with us, including them in our hall of fame. So we've done that with, we've done that with Lance. Uh, we've done that with everybody. Um, I think there's maybe a couple instances where we haven't been able to make contact. That would be gorgeous. George, um, we have, there's just nobody, nobody left, unfortunately, uh, to, to get the permission, but, but everybody else that's in, we have the, we, we've been given the okie doke either by them, uh, or, uh, by family members and almost, almost to a person, um, they've been like, Oh my God, that's great. Thank you so much. And that's, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. So do you guys have any further questions on the hall of fame for Donnie? I am good, sir. Yeah, I think I, I think we've covered. Fantastic. Yeah. So uh, just to, to touch on some other things, Donnie, uh, it was mentioned that you are a, a podcast host as well. And I know personally, I enjoy the podcast that you put out. You maybe plug your podcast. I would love to. Hey, Jessica. <laughs> Jessica. Come here. Come here. You don't have to come on camera. This isn't what the podcast is. This is boring. It's me <laughs> yelling at Jessica. <laughs> uh, my wife, Jessica Dahl, uh, former Z92, uh, outstanding disc jockey. She is uh, standing at the doorway. Jessica, say hi to the Russian Leg Sweep podcast. Just yell hi. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hi. They, they wanted uh, to give me a chance to talk about our podcast. Oh, fun. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. So, uh, yeah, it's called the Turn Your Brain Off podcast. And uh, we're available on every uh, streaming platform. We're also, it's also available at Jessica Dahl. That's Dahl with one L.com. Um, and we are doing our best to bring back 90s radio. Hit radio. Bring back when it's just people trying to make each other laugh. That's all we do is try to make each other laugh. Um, there's no negativity. There's no politics. We don't talk religion. We barely talk sports. It's just, we talk music and we talk being married and our life experiences. Both of us, we've got, you know, 30 plus years in, in radio uh, between the two of us. And, and we've got some great stories. And we want to take radio back to what it was in the 90s. Funny. when it was just about being funny and not about agendas or just who's the loudest. And so the, the Turn Your Brain Off podcast, I think we just finished up episode 22. Um, and they're all usually about 40 minutes long. Excuse me, 20 minutes long. The longest is 40 minutes long. Uh, we did a, uh, a Christmas special. And it's like you're listening to uh, the, the older, older people in the room might remember, like Donnie and Marie, uh, like Christmas specials, the old TV Christmas specials where they'd bring in a bunch of celebrity hosts or guest, uh, guest stars. And so what we did was we modeled it after that. And we sang songs, we sang Christmas carols. Uh, and then we did, uh, I, I do a bunch of, I do a bunch of my impressions on there and it's all edited together. So like, if you're listening to a seventies, early eighties style, uh, Christmas extravaganza, as we call it. And, uh, one, one quick thing in that is, uh, uh, we do jokes. So it's all these celebrities doing jokes, kind of like they used to do on Hee Haw. <laughs> and so we did uh, one of them, and this is the only one I'll do, is uh, it's Joe Pesci 
and Kermit the Frog, um, and they're delivering delivering a joke. And it's, uh, hey, Joe. Hey, Kermit, what do you got? What do you got for me? How much did Santa Claus, or how much did Santa pay for his sleigh? I don't know. I don't know, Kermit. You talk, you, how much did Santa pay for his friggin' sleigh? Nothing. It was on the house. Oh, that's, uh, that's pretty good. You got me. You, you, you got me. You got it. And it was funny. Funny how? <laughs> no, no, Kermit, Kermit, you got me all wrong. You got me all wrong. No, 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 Anthony, Anthony, he knows what he said. He's a, he's a big boy. Good. Tell me, tell me what the heck is so funny about me, Joe? Tell me. Oh, you got me. You got me there. You got me. So, it's not just impressions. It's not just lame impressions. It's it is. We talk. We talk everything. We talk just just being married and making each other just do dumb stuff. And so we. Yeah, if you wanna, if you're looking for something to listen to, uh, that that's a turn your brain off podcast. Great podcast to listen to while you're driving because it's. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's a nice short. You know, everything's nice and short and good. You know, makes makes a nice drive. Uh, okay. And, might I say, spot on, Jessica. Spot on, Jessica. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, Donnie. One other thing that I wanted you to talk about real quick was your your documentary. Sure. Um, sure. So I, I started doing uh, documentaries. Uh, I started doing videos. I was taking care of my dad when he was on hospice, and I just needed something to kind of turn my brain off. Ironically enough, and so I found some really really cool. Uh, historical, um, there's some really, really cool stories um, that have basically been forgotten, um, and all of them are Nebraska-based. And uh, as I dug into them, I realized how much I liked the research aspect of of the the, the process. And so I've done I've done five documentaries. Four of them are uh, historical documentaries. The, my very first one was I followed my wife on her last day at Z92. It's called Jessica Doll Saying Goodbye. Um, and that one will just absolutely rip your heart out. Uh, it's just, oh, it's gut-wrenching. Um, but the rest of the historical ones, uh, they've done pretty good. Uh, I've got one that follows the life of a banker, originally from Wisconsin, and uh, he moved to Oakland, Nebraska, uh, in the late 1800s. And at one point, he gave a 40-acre park to the city and I found a, a ton of pictures and a lot of really cool information out about this guy that had been completely forgotten. Um, I've got one about a World War II bomber pilot from here in Tacoma uh, called Chatterbox, and that one actually screened at the Las Vegas Film Festival. Uh, I've got two about Nebraska football. The first one's called All the King's Men, 1910 Cornhusker Football, and it follows the life of head coach William King Cole and the, the 1910 Nebraska football team. And then the last one that I've done is, uh, it's called Dual Threat Football and Family, and it follows the life of Nebraska's very first dual threat quarterback, Jerry Warner, from the 1910-1911 uh, football team. And then he, uh, he also became a World War I fighter pilot. Oh, wow. And those are all available on my website for free uh, at uh, dodgewell.com. Good. You guys have anything else that you want to want to Sam, you got anything? No, sir. I, I am good. I think this has been terrific. Thank you so much, Donnie. You please come back anytime and talk wrestling with us. 
Oh, I would, I would absolutely. Oh my God, I would love to. You're gonna get sick of me. I would absolutely love <laughs> to talk wrestling because I love talking wrestling with, with uh, not only people that have the same Mike Tyson picture on their wall, um, <laughs> but I love talking wrestling with with people that that love it as much as I do. Um, and and to throw out names and to just have you ever noticed that wrestling fans are the only ones that can have an entire conversation with one another just by saying names. Yeah. Yeah. They can walk up and go, Bulldog Bob Brown. Ho, ho. Mm. Baron Von Rasky. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Bad Dog Vergania. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and, and you'll, you'll hear it at every show. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you will hear guys do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Names and catchphrases. Names and catchphrases. But thanks, yep. guys. I... This was a blast, and, and uh, yeah, if uh, if you're ever looking at uh, trying to get out of watching a lame WCW pay-per-view, uh, just give me a call. I'll, I'll, Hold on. I'll what if we want that. you to watch a lame WCW pay-per-view and talk about it? That's the oh, best. That too. No. That too. Excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. Again, check us out on all the social medias. Check out all Donnie's social medias. Um, I got a show tonight. Go to the waiting room. Watch us perform. It's going to be all three of us are going to be there. It's going to be a good time. Oh, God. I got to uh, dress up tonight, don't I? Fuck. Yeah, you do, buddy. You better <laughs> get situated. All right. And, and uh, I mean, that that's all I got to this week, man. Tune in next week. I guess we're going to watch WCW's Uncensored. Maybe? Unless, we can, unless we can find something else to do. <laughs> I'm busy Saturday. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Russian leg sweep. Thanks for hanging out with us. Bye, guys. It's the Russian leg swing, swing.